right, welcome to another podcast edition of White Collar Crimes. I am your host, Ryan Horn. Fantastic to have you aboard, as always. Hope you're nice and dry where you are, or if you are in need of rain, hopefully you're getting it. We certainly are getting more than our share here where I live. As I've said for a long time this summer, we were under a pretty pretty serious drought that now has transcended into some pretty serious flooding, the exact opposite problem that we had just really honestly a little over a month ago. So I'm hoping for some more moderate type weather, but we will just have to wait and see. But regardless of what the weather's like where you're at, I'm so glad you're aboard. Sam Waxel, a name that you might know if you followed the Martha Stewart case or if you're somebody that follows a lot of business news or anything like that. But before the Martha Stewart scandal, and we'll talk about in a little bit how he was tied to all of that, but Sam Waxel was known before that for being the founder and CEO of MCLOM Systems, and they dealt with oncology, which focuses on the diagnosis and prevention of tumors. So some pretty important work to be involved in. Certainly glad that we have people willing to devote money and research for this problem. Now, he was not born in the United States, but he was born in Paris to a Jewish family. He got his doctorate in immunobiology in 1974 from Ohio State, Ohio State University. And from there, he went to work for quite a few various prestigious places, such as Stanford University and the National Cancer Institute. So, he's done some important work. I'm glad we have a lot of people devoted to the study and research to try to find a cure for cancer and for tumors and things like that. Uh, I have a very good friend right now that is hospitalized with brain cancer and to be sad here folks I would ask for your prayers those of you that are praying people to pray for uh, my friend here he's not doing well not given too long to live as I mentioned before or I haven't mentioned before he we have taken in a new family member we have a new uh, I don't remember if I mentioned that the last podcast I don't believe I did but we've taken on his dog it's one that we fostered before when, in the foster work that my wife and I do, and now he's come back to live with us. He's older dog, about 12 or 13. We don't know how many years we'll get out of him, but we're going to make sure he has a happy life, what he has left. But unfortunately, brain cancer has stricken the dog's dad, which is a very good friend of ours and a good man. So we uh, hope you can send some positive thoughts and prayers his way. It's certainly appreciated. But as I said, he went to work for these prestigious places such as Stanford University and the National Cancer Institute. Now, he was reported, however, to sometimes kind of skewer and misrepresent lab results, just to kind of do a little bit in his favor. Not uh, a good practice you want to get involved in if you're in this business, but it's one that he kind of uh, got noted for doing and being involved in. So, before he gets too much heat and too much focus on that, in 1994, he decides to start the M-Clone, which was his own company, and it was known for developing cancer, the cancer antibiotic drug, drug, and I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, Herbitux. Now, this was a pretty important 
development for him and his company because this would soon lead to a huge deal with Bristol Myers to distribute the drug. And for those of you, I'm sure most of you listening to this are very well aware of Bristol Myers. They are a very powerful company in the pharmaceutical business. They distribute a lot of different types. They manufacture and distribute a lot of types of medication. So if you have a medication on the market and you are able to get them to not only manufacture but help distribute it that is a huge deal because they have a lot of muscle i don't know off the top of my head but i would say they are probably easily one of the top five drug companies pharmaceuticals in the business so to land a deal with them especially in 1984 big company back then too that's a huge deal to get them to manufacture and distribute your drug and herbitex or herbitux was a cancer antibody that was designed to kind of help people deal with the nausea and different things like that that they suffer oftentimes during cancer and during treatment. Now, the drug initially gained FDA, or finally gained FDA approval in 2004, though. And within a few years, it generated over a billion dollars in sales. And it was reported to bring relief to many that were suffering from cancer because for those of you that have had friends and family that have suffered from it, you know the chemo treatments can themselves bring about a lot of illnesses and a lot of other things that are involved in the treatment of it. Sometimes the side effects from those things can cause a massive amount of sickness and discomfort for people that are suffering from cancer as well. So if you uh, have a drug and a product that can help alleviate some of that, That's a good thing, and it's going to be very well received by the public, no doubt. But, as I said, it wasn't always the case, because initially, in 2001, the FDA declined to approve the drug. Now, this is where Waxel's trouble started. He had planned to publicly announce this. He was, however, banned and barred from selling his stock or announcing the pending rejection because if the FDA does not approve this, you know, like I said, he's gotten years ago, gotten Bristol Myers on board. All he needs at this point is to get the FDA approval and bam, lots of money and big deal going and he can get a product that can hopefully help bring a lot of relief to some people who are truly suffering and need it. So... This is big news when they strike him down, and without that FDA approval, it's not going to get the manufacture and distribution that it needs here in this country, or, and it's not going to ever really truly get off the ground. So when he gets this struck down, it's going to cause the stock to basically plummet. Now, he was also very well aware that this public rejection would expose more financial problems that were supposedly developing in the company. So not only is this a big blow for the company, they've lost the FDA approval, they're not going to be able to truly launch the drug and get it out there like they can, which could potentially make them most likely millions, if not billions of dollars with a drug like this. So it is a huge blow to him and his company. And Waxel, though did tip off friends and family to sell their stocks. Now, he's barred from doing this himself, and legally he cannot tip anyone like this in his inner circle. As we know, that's insider trading. And who was inside his inner circle? As we know before from this podcast, Miss Martha Stewart. We have covered her case on 
this podcast as well. And Mr. Waxel was connected to one of the stocks that she was accused of selling in insider trading. So he tips off his family and friends to hurry up and sell the stock, which we know violates insider trader trading laws. So the very next year, we're talking June 12, 2002, he was arrested for insider trading. Now, he would eventually plead guilty to multiple federal charges, including insider trading, securities fraud, bank fraud, obstructing justice, and perjury. So some of the usual ones that we talk about on this, this podcast quite a bit. So nothing out of the unusual. This is a lot of the usual ones that are brought in, but the one main focus during a lot of this at this time, of course, it came a little bit later for Martha Stewart, but Martha Stewart caught a lot of heat from this as well, but uh, her connections to Waxel most likely brought about a lot of her problems and vice versa, but time would finally catch up with him, and he would eventually plead guilty to multiple federal charges including the insider trading, securities fraud, bank fraud, obstructing justice, and perjury. So he would plead guilty to all these charges, and he would also plead guilty in a separate matter to conspiracy and wire fraud. Again, some of the usual charges we talk about on this show all the time. Now, this was supposedly from an attempt to avoid paying a $1.2 million in taxes on a $15 million art piece of artwork that he'd bought. So the tax on that would have been about $1.2 million. I would gladly pay that. I'd love to have the kind of money to buy a $15 million piece of artwork. That's uh, If I had $15 million, I, I love art, but I'm not sure artwork would be at the top of my list of things I would buy. But uh, nonetheless, it was his, but he just didn't want to pay those taxes. Which again, as we know, those of you that have been listening to this podcast for a while, that brings a lot of them down. We talked about Leona Helmsley, the Queen of Mean. Only little people pay taxes. Of course, she said that later from a prison cell, and we've discussed countless others. A big celebrity being Wesley Snipes that ran into some tax trouble, and even ones that haven't gone to prison. We've seen some others that have. Willie Nelson, some of you older folks might remember about 30 years or so ago where he had some trouble with the tax man. So it's not that unusual. And as I say about many times about Al Capone, there's a myth that it was Elliot Ness and the crime-busting untouchables through bulldog detective work brought him down. That is not what happened. Al Capone was brought down for not paying taxes. He was actually never convicted for any of the bootlegging and murders for hire and the uh, all the contract hits as he's out, probably arms dealing anything that he did that was illegal, all the things that he did was illegal. The one thing that did bring him down was not paying the tax man. And that gets a lot of them in trouble more times than any. So he got a separate sentence because of his not paying the tax man. So about a year later, he gets sentenced to 87 months in federal prison and was fined over $4 million. So pretty hefty fine and uh 87 months i'd have to say is a pretty decent sentence for a white collar crime you're talking about seven years and three months or so so uh not bad considering some people some of the cases that we cover on this podcast they get much less time but he got a pretty decent sentence for 
something that he was involved in. Probably a pretty, I would say, probably a pretty average sentence for somebody that's involved in insider trading. Maybe a little bit more, since probably talking a little bit more money that was involved in his case that, as compared to others. But he got a decent sentence for it and served it out and was released in 2009. But he wasn't finished being involved in the pharmaceutical business. After release, he supposedly started a company, and I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, called Cadmon Pharmaceuticals. Now, you're probably asking, because we've covered enough of these type of cases, how can he do that? Surely he's barred by the SEC, FDA, all these different types of regulatory agencies that are connected to federal law. Well, if you're thinking that, then you've been paying attention over this podcast. So congrats for listening and paying attention. And yes, you are correct. He's not going to be able to do that. And he was very quickly forced to step down because his for his conviction forbade him from serving as an officer or director of a publicly traded company. Now, that doesn't mean this company can't exist with someone else running it, which is, I'm quite sure, what ended up happening. But he can't run it due to his conviction and due to past problems that he's had with the law. He is not able to be directly involved in the business. However, as we talk about, seems like just about every episode... There is nothing to prevent him from working behind the scenes as a quote-unquote advisor or some type of consultant. And lots of them do that all the time. We talked about Michael Jackson's doctor uh, about a month or two ago on this podcast where he is continuing to work as a quote-unquote consultant because his license was stripped and his ability to practice medicine. Many times we've covered cases on here where people were not that were convicted they're not able to trade and work in the stock and financial industry they're not allowed to be public traders the SEC bars them because of the conviction we've t- covered plenty of cases where some of the people convicted of these crimes that were that had a law license they are barred from practicing law at that point they are no longer allowed to practice law but they still have the degree and they have the knowledge and there's people that will always probably be seeking that and even willing to pay for that so there's nothing to stop some of these ones to maybe make money as i said as a consultant or an advisor so they are still able to kind of work behind the scenes and many times we know these white collar criminals tons of them probably are actually the ones running this company but you have somebody that's a a ghost chairman so to speak just somebody in name only that's running the company but behind the scenes the person who is legally not supposed to be able to do it is indeed the one that actually is running the company so we know it happens all the time but unfortunately there's nothing no way to know for sure a lot of times unless you know they do something to get caught but they are able to work behind the scenes and many i'm sure do So he can't do that, but again, as I said, he can remain with the company, which he does, and he supposedly remains with this company today. As I said before, one of the victims of his was Martha Stewart, and on the tip, she dumped her stocks. Of course, she was caught as well, as we know, did a really short prison sentence. Don't think it's hurt her too much. I see her quite frequently now on television advertisements and some Facebook advertisements, things like that. She seems to be doing quite well, so I don't think the felony conviction hurt her like it does a lot of the poor folks who find themselves caught up in the criminal justice system or even middle class folks. So uh, 
it hasn't seemed to hurt even her reputation. I think a lot of people have probably even forgotten it. They don't even remember that she had done a lot of time. And if somebody can bounce back from that, great. There's some actors we've seen before and uh, athletes and things like that that have done time. And over time, if they get out and do well for a while, people tend to forget that, uh, especially here in America. Americans seem to be pretty forgiving of public officials and figures and uh a lot of times they're able to uh, just look past that. So I don't think it's hurt her too much. She seems to be doing quite well out there on promoting, I think, a new show now. I think I saw him advertising one that she co-hosts with uh, Snoop Dogg, the rapper and actor. So, again, not hurting her too much, but she was a victim in this case. And Cadmon, I think, again, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, is in operation today in New York City. Now, like his previous company... Much of their products focus on oncology, which, you know, it's a good thing. Like I said, I'm glad people are focusing and willing to hopefully someday find a cure for these things. Or at least in the meanwhile, be able to provide some relief to the people who are suffering from these horrible type diseases. And they are. If you've had any friends or family that have ever suffered from these, you know what I'm talking about. They are very miserable and horrible horrible diseases and I'm hoping you know this would be a good redemption story of his companies may be able to come up with a cure for these or somebody is so hopefully they are able to but again that's where most of the focus is on this now again we don't know who's behind the scenes doing this or who's truly running the company like with any of these cases but Harlan Waxel, MD, medical doctor, is listed as the CEO. Now, he is the brother of Sam, and he is the one that is now legally able to operate the company. Now, whether or not he is truly the guy operating it, or if maybe just behind the scenes he's a figurehead, and Sam is the one that's actually doing the day-to-day stuff and doing the things that make the company continue to run, who knows? Only time will tell. But if they're willing to continue to do this type of research and truly try to find a cure for these diseases then more power to them i hope that uh they are able to do that so like we always talk about we don't know if he'll continue to do well he may reoffend and fall off we'll see over time uh hopefully not but we always will keep an eye on it if any cases that we cover on this podcast if they do happen to reoffend you can sure we probably We'll be doing an update on it, and we're watching some other cases, the Murdoch case from South Carolina, the Friedman uh, cryptocurrency scandal. We're watching for the latest developments, and when we get some really truly uh, groundbreaking news on those cases, we'll be covering and updating you on those as well. Now, next week, we're finally going to get to a episode that's been a long time in the making. I've been talking about for a while, uh, having a, a subject about greed looking at it from a more moral or even theological perspective and we're going to explore that i have a guest next week i will have preston foster the pastor of christ the king lutheran church in desoto illinois is going to be my guest and you're going to hear him explain how greed truly is one of the seven deadly sins as it's mentioned and the harm that it can do and what we have to do to watch out to prevent it And as I always say, I hope you watch out for your friends and family to make sure they are never victimized by any of these white-collar criminals because they're out there trying to victimize all of us. And as I said, we will get to that, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. It's a little bit longer of an episode, but uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And it's going to be a little bit different perspective than what we've had on a lot of these other episodes. So please tune in for that one. And... 
I am glad you tuned in for this one. If you uh, have an idea or want to be on the show, as I always say, email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com. Check out my website if you need any voiceover work. Glad to do that, ryan-horn.com. Please adopt at your local shelter, as I said, one we fostered before. Five years later, nearly has become a permanent member of our family. So please like our Facebook page, the White Collar Crimes Podcast, and follow that for any updates and changes on the show. And as I always say, like us on Spotify or Apple, wherever you happen to be hearing this podcast, and please give us the five-star rating. You can even donate to the show. We're always glad to take that, but most importantly, we're just glad to have your ears and you as part of our family here on the White Collar Crimes Podcast. Hope we can continue to spread the word on crimes that do not get the media attention nearly as much as they should and nearly as much as your standard street crime. So we thank you that you've been able to help us keep going, and we have been growing and continue to grow, and I'm very, very thankful for that. And I'm very much looking forward to you getting to hear this next episode. So please tune in next week. Take care. God bless everybody. See you then.